good to see y'all here this morning. I, I don't know how many of y'all watched um, the debate this past week, and it was, uh, you know, you might have just watched it for entertainment value if you did, or maybe you're just a political nerd or something like that, but today we have a special guest with us, Scott Walker is here. Uh, if you just raise your hand. Jay Stilwell, every time I see Scott Walker, he's running for president, it's Jay Stilwell. And so uh, we actually have somebody from Village Church who's running for president. So, Jay, thank you for being here today. Um, Anyway, that actually has nothing to do, uh, well, actually it has to do with friendship, and Jay and I are probably no longer going to be friends after that. And uh, so today we are continuing our series through the book of Proverbs, and it's called Proverbs, Words to Live By. And as we've talked about over the past, really, couple of months, we've talked about how King Solomon is the one who wrote most of the Proverbs. And the Proverbs were, were written, and there's just little, little segments, you know, a little verse or two here and there, that are basically words of advice on how to be able to travel through this life much more smoothly than if we didn't follow the Proverbs. Now, the Proverbs are instructions that actually come from God that were sent through Solomon to share with people. And in particular, when Solomon wrote the book of Proverbs, the main person he was addressing was his son. And it's almost like that Solomon was writing these Proverbs, telling his son, listen, follow these words, and if you do that, then one thing that's going to happen is you are not going to make the same mistakes that I've made. Now, for those of you who are parents, you probably have your own little list of Proverbs that you want to pass on to your kids. Because as with most of us, we're a whole lot like Solomon in that we have gone through life and we can look back and we, we can see a lot of the dumb decisions that we've made throughout, lives, uh, throughout our lives. And because we love our kids, we want to give them instruction so that they won't do the same things that we've done. And that is really what the book of Proverbs in many ways is about. And the lesson that, or the word of wisdom that we are to live by, that we're going to see today in our scripture, is on friendship. Solomon found friendships to be so valuable and so important in a person's life that he believed that it needed to be written about and sent to his son to help him choose and to make good friends. Now for us, whenever we think of friendship, I mean, I think basically for a lot of us it comes down to how social media determines or defines friendship. Now, I'm going to ask you all a question. You all get to be honest with me. How many of you in here have like a a, a Facebook or an Instagram page or something like that? If you would, raise your hands if you have one of those. All right. So a lot of us have a Facebook page. Now, I have one as well. And uh, I'll be honest with you. When I first... When I first got on Facebook, you know, you would get these, you know, you get these friend requests, right? And so you get these friend requests, and, and because in some ways I just needed for my ego to be stroked, uh, anytime I got a friend request, I would always accept them. And I would accept them because I thought, how cool would it be for me to have hundreds and hundreds of friends? Okay, here's another question for you. How many of y'all on your Facebook page have more than 100 friends? Anybody in here? Raise your hands. Okay, the rest of y'all, you just hang your heads in shame. Uh, because obviously you're not as popular as people like us. And so anyway, so I, I just looked at I thought, that would be so neat to have a lot, of, you know, a, lot of, you know, a lot of friends. But here's what I've discovered. I don't even know, or not, I don't know very well most of the people that I'm friends with on Facebook. 
I, I don't know if y'all are the same way. And then, and then you start seeing some of the stuff that's posted on Facebook. And you're like, this is what I ate for dinner. Uh, this is a picture of my food. Uh, this is what I'm going to be doing tomorrow. This is me right after I get, got finished working out. Look how sweaty I am. And I'm sitting there, and I'm looking at this stuff, and I'm thinking, I don't even like you, you know? And I don't want to see that stuff. And, and, and I'm sure that in many ways the feeling is mutual for some people. But, you know, we have this real sort of shallow definition of what friendship really is. And so the question is, well, what is it that's important in friendship? You know, how do we define what friendship is? A Christian author, Max Lucado, made a, I think a, gave a pretty good test to show the difference between what real friendship is and the way the world defines friendship or what's important with people. Um, one of the tests that he gave is he said, uh, in the, name the last five national champions in football. He said, name the last five winners of the Academy Award for Best Actor. Now, I'm sure there are some of you who are like sports or like movie nerds, but most of us are going to kind of struggle with that list. And I'm, this isn't like obscure things. I mean, these are people who are at the top of their game. I mean, these are the elite people in like entertainment and in sports, and, and yet we struggle with that. Now, the other side is he said, now, if you can't do that, he said, think about this. He said, name two people who were with you and stood by your side when you were struggling. Name, name two people in your career who were great mentors towards you. Name two people that you can think of that you love with all of your being and you would sacrifice for. Now, I looked at that list, and I couldn't name anybody. No, I'm kidding. Now, I looked at that list, and it was much easier for me to name who those people were. And so the point is, it's, I think many times we define, we define friendship as to what a person can do for me and what that person's credentials are, when in fact what real friendship is, is whenever we find people who love us and who care for us. And so that's why today as we continue our series, Proverbs, Words to Live By, we're going to see that a word that we are to live by is the word friendship. And we're going to look and see a few things that we need to beware of when it comes to friendships, and then also a couple of things that we need to be aware of concerning what makes a real friendship. And so I think it's always a good exercise for us to examine our friendships and then to examine what kind of a friend we are. And so if you have your Bible, today what we're going to do is we're going to look in Proverbs chapter 27, and we're going to look in a few verses starting in verse number 6. Now the book of Proverbs is considered wisdom literature in the Bible. I mean these are words that we ought to pay attention to because they give us wisdom for life. And if you recall, Solomon is the one who wrote most of the Proverbs. He's sharing his wisdom. He's sharing his wisdom on friendship with his son. Now, Solomon, if you remember, he was, he was a king. And so he knew how important it was to have real friends. Because I, I guarantee you, if you are the king, do you think everybody is going to want to be your friend? I mean, absolutely, people are going to want to hang out with you because, because you are the king, so it makes them look good. They're going to want to be near you because there's a lot of things that as a king that you'd be able to do. 
And some of those friendships and relationships that Solomon had were genuine. Some of them were not. And so Solomon starts off and he says, Son, as you get ready to become king, he said, I want you to beware of something in your friendships. And one of the things to beware of is deceit in your friendships. Now, if you look with me in verse number 6. In verse number 6, he says, what does he say? There it is. It says, the wounds of a friend are trustworthy, but the kisses of an enemy are excessive. Now, that's an interesting verse to me because it seems like he got it backwards there. It seems like that a friend is the one who ought to be giving you kisses and that your enemy is the one who ought to be trying to wound you. But instead, he says something totally different. He says, the wounds of a friend are trustworthy, but the kisses of an enemy are excessive. Now, when I'm defining friendship, typically, whenever I think of a friend, I think of somebody I like to hang out with, somebody that's fun to, you know, watch a movie with or things like that. And there's just some people that we naturally click with, and that's absolutely normal. But if that's all that your friendships are based on, then, then you need to be careful. If the only thing that people want to do who are with you is look to, to get you to do stuff with them and, and who are always just simply telling you everything that you want to hear, then there's a good chance that they don't have your best interest in mind. You see, a, a true friend is going to be somebody who's not just simply telling you something that you want to hear, but he's going to be willing to tell you things that you need to hear. And whenever you find somebody that you are with who's not willing to share truth with you, then you need to be aware. Now why is that? Because many times what's happening is that person is simply looking to see what they can get out of you instead of looking to see what they can put into you. And verse number 6 spells it out pretty well. It says that a deceitful friend is really our enemy. Now, what, what does it mean to be deceitful? It means to defraud. It means to deal in falsehood, to not be truthful. Any of you ever been deceived before? Have you ever had somebody offer you something that looked really good, but it turned out it, it wasn't as good as it looked, and you bought into it, and you ended up being disappointed? I've shared with y'all before that I, I, enjoy, I, I like infomercials. Isn't that weird? I mean, I'll just see something and it just catches my attention. I'm like, oh my gosh, we got, we got to have that. Look, it's only $19.99. And you get three of them. Free shipping. You know, it's incredible. And I get excited. I remember a few years ago, it actually been a number of years ago now, one of the infomercials that just always got my attention was, if y'all remember this guy, he sold the Sham Wow. Y'all remember that guy? That dude ought to be a preacher. I mean, I'd watch him, and I was just mad. I would have, I mean, I would have walked down the aisle and said, whatever you want, I will give it. I mean, he was sitting there selling the sham wow, and I was like, i got to get one of these things. Like a river of water. He's like, he'd be running down a road, and he'd get that little towel, and he'd just, like, and it's gone. Like, oh my gosh, how incredible is that? Now, I want you to know something. I got a sham wow. You know what? It's a lie. Thing did not work. I mean, it, I couldn't even dry my car off. It left all these streaks behind. And so what, what it was to me is I ended up getting deceived. I bought into something that I thought, man, it would look so good, but it act, absolutely did not produce. And that's what deceit does. It tricks you into believing something that's not right. I mean, that's why I think it's, it's interesting. The end of verse number six, it tells us the kisses of our enemies are excessive. 
Now that word excessive, it means that it is deceitful. And it's just simply, again, it's, it's an example of someone who tells you what you want to hear instead of telling you what you need to hear. And why would anybody do that? Well, it's because really that person is more interested in themselves instead of being interested in you. Uh, Solomon spoke of this in Proverbs 19.4. Listen to what he wrote. He said, Wealth brings many friends, but a poor man's friend deserts him. We know this. When, we, when things are going well for you, when you're rolling in the dough, people like to be around you, right? you got something to offer. But what happens when you run out? You know, what happens when things aren't going so well for you? Have you noticed how the crowd really thins out? <laughs> you noticed that before? Now, why does it thin out? It thins out because you don't have anything to offer again. And those are not the kind of friends that you want to surround yourself with. You know, there's a lot of products out there that advertise as being the real thing when they're simply imitations. Uh, you know, again, uh, another infomercial, but this one was, I, I wasn't going to buy this one, but it's just interesting. There is actually, there's a product, I don't know if y'all have heard of this before, it's called Spray on Mud. Y'all ever seen that before? $15 a can. It's big, it was very popular, very popular in New York City and London. Now, what it is, if you owned an SUV or a truck, you know, if you want to look like you've been mudding, you have spray on mud. You get the can, they still have it. Uh, look it up on, not right now, but you can look it up on your phone. You, you go, to, go to your car and just spray it. It looks like mud. I mean, it's really, it's kind of interesting, but I'm thinking, what is the point of that? Now, it, it gives the perception that you are, you know, some, you know, that you're, that you're somebody from Blathwood. But the fact of the matter is that it ain't real. You know, it's, it's, it's in a can. Now, guys, there are some of us who have spray-on friends. You know, they're not real. And whenever we are struggling and whenever we are hurting, they don't have anything real to offer us. As a matter of fact, they are willing to leave us. Now, here's the lesson for us. We have the privilege of choosing our friends. That's one thing in life that you get to choose. Therefore, you want to make sure that you choose wisely. That was what Solomon was teaching his son. He said, son, you're getting ready to become a king, and you want to make sure that you are surrounding yourself with people who care about you and who are not looking to get something out of you, but who are looking to put something into you. What kind of friends do you have? He said, but beware of deceit. But then he said, but you need to be aware of in a real friendship that there is truth. A real friendship's about truth. Uh, again, in verse 6, it says, The wounds of a friend are trustworthy, but the kisses of an enemy are excessive. Now, I, nobody enjoys being criticized. Nobody enjoys it when somebody tells them that they're doing something that is wrong. But in a real friendship, in a right relationship, the focus is not on flattery. The focus is going to be on truth. A true friend is going to be someone who's going to tell you the truth, even if it might hurt you. A true friend is going to be someone who's going to share truth with you, even if it actually might make you uncomfortable, and it might even embarrass you. Now, why would a true friend wound me? Well, because he cares. You know, if you see somebody who's walking along a path, and you let's say they're walking on the railroad train, a track, and you know the train's getting ready to come around the corner, 
Now, a false friend is going to say, man, keep on going. You're doing a great job. I'm all behind you. But a real friend is going to say, you need to get off the track. Train's coming. And if they have to, they will grab hold of you. They might make you uncomfortable, but they're going to pull you off that track because they care for your life. That's why it says the wounds of a friend are trustworthy. Another word for trustworthy is they are faithful. It means he has your best intentions in mind. He's willing to wound you for the sake of protecting you. Now, I'm sure that some of you can think of times in your life when you've had a real friend who was willing to share the truth with you and, and you didn't necessarily enjoy hearing it. Now, there's a, a pastor named Charles Lowry. He used to write for Rev Magazine. I'm sure not many of you all have copies to that. It's for preachers like me. And so in one of the articles he wrote about a friend he has, and he said, I was having back trouble. And he said, I'd, I'd go to the uh, chiropractor and get my back worked on. He said, nothing was working. He said, work for a little bit, but come back. He said, I started going to the doctor. doctor couldn't figure out what was going on. And he said, I, my, my friend was with me, and he said, Charles, I, I know what the problem is. He said, what is it? He said, your stomach. He said, your stomach's too big. He said, now, that's my friend talking to me. And he said, I was not real encouraged to hear him say it. He said, it irritated me. He said, but you know what? He said, he was right. He said, so I started exercising, started eating right, said I lost weight. And he said, guess what? My back problems went away. Now, now here's how he concluded the story. It's the part I like the most in the story. He said, you know, a, a, real, a real friend sees through you. But a real friend will also see you through. A real friend sees through you, but he will also see you through. He doesn't, in our text it says that a true friend will wound you says his wounds are faithful that word wound is an interesting word it does not mean a gaping hole where you bleed out you know that's what your enemies will do your enemies will try to wound you in a way where they will destroy you but a friend will simply bruise you okay what was that i mean i don't like to be bruised either what does that mean if you watch the uh the horse races this year we had our first what the first triple crown winner since 1978 y'all may have watched that um his the horse was american pharaoh now if you watch any of those races have y'all noticed that those jockeys when they are when they are on the horse they have the, you know, the, the little crop a little whip now and sometimes they'll use it especially when they come in the back stretch they're using that crop now when they're doing that why are they doing that? are they doing that because they're mad at the horse no hopefully not are they doing it because they're trying to discipline the horse? Like, I can't believe you did that. Why, why are they, what, are they, what are they doing when they use that crop? What are they doing? And you know, what are they doing? Yeah, they're, they're, they're motivating him, right? They're, they're trying to get the best out of that horse to help him reach his full potential. That is what Solomon is talking about when he talks about the wound of a friend what he's doing is he is spurring you on. He's not trying to draw blood. He is spurring you on to help get the most out of you so that you can live up to the potential that God has for you. That's what a real friend does. That's what Paul was talking about in Galatians 6.1 when he said, Brothers, if someone is caught in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual should restore such a person with a gentle spirit, watching out for yourselves so you also won't be tempted. He said, when you see a friend who has fallen away from God, he said, you are to restore him. And that word restore, it means to set a broken bone. 
Now, if, you break, if, if any of you have ever broken a bone before, you know, you went to the doctor and they reset the bone. Now, when they reset the bone, why do they do that? Because if they don't reset it, it will heal incorrectly. And it means it could, be, it could cause you to be deformed, not to, your, that part of the body won't function like it's supposed to. It means you can also be more susceptible to infection. A lot of problems. But if you've ever had a bone reset before, you ever notice it kind of hurts? I mean, it's not like, man, that was great. Would you do that again? I mean, it kind of hurts. A friend sometimes can restore you, and it can hurt a little. That's why Paul said that when you restore someone, you are to do it gently. That's what friends do. So beware of deceit in your relationships, but be aware that real friendship, it's truth. There's truth there. Also be aware of this real friendship, and this is the last one, is that there is loyalty. A part of real friendship is loyalty. The final two verses, it says, Oil and incense, verse 9, Oil and incense bring joy to the heart, and the sweetness of a friend is better than self-counsel. Don't abandon your friend or your father's friend, and don't go to your brother's house in your time of calamity. Better a neighbor nearby than a brother far away. Now, if you look at verse number 9, it says that oil and incense are basically, they are a blessing. They bring joy to the heart. Now, what is, what is oil and incense? Okay, here's what it is. It's basically perfume. Perfume. Now, for those of you who, whenever you put on aftershave or you put on perfume, whenever you put on deodorant, why, why do you, what is the purpose of it? Smell good, right? Um, you know, if you're not smelling too well, you take a shower to get rid of the odor. You know, you put on perfume to smell good. Okay, when you have a friend who is loyal, he's like perfume in your life. Now, now why is loyalty important? Loyalty is important because there are times in our lives when we run into potholes. There are times whenever we stray off of the path, when we get off of the path that God desires for us. And what's a loyal friend going to do? He's going to come alongside you, and he's going to pull you back, and he will be like oil and incense, like a perfume in your life to help you get back on the right track so that your life is a sweet aroma to God. Now that that is what friendship does. Friends will bring out the best in you. And so here's the question, what kind of friends do you have? You know, what are your friends, what, what do they bring out in you? Do they, do they help you walk on the path that God has for us? Or are they causing you to stray off of the path that God has for his people? Whenever you find a friend who is loyal, you better hang on to a friend like that. In verse number 10, it says we're not to abandon friends like that. The word abandon means to leave behind. You're not to leave behind those friends. You're not to neglect those friends. Now, here's what's interesting to me. Solomon wrote this to his son. And you would think that his son, after getting all these words, would just be a stellar man. Did you know his son? His son's name was Rehoboam. And Rehoboam did not pay attention to all these Proverbs. He had them, but he ignored them. And whenever Solomon's loyal friends came to him to advise him, he did not listen to what they had to say. And he walked away from them. 
Listen to what it says about him in 1 Kings 12, 6-8. It says, King Rehoboam consulted with the elders who had served his father Solomon when he was alive, asking, how do you advise me to respond to these people? Somebody's his own people who, in his nation. And here's what they said to him. Here's his advisors who loved his dad. They loved his dad. They loved the country. They said, today, if you will just simply be a servant to these people, if you'll serve them, and if you respond to them, by speaking kind words to them, they will be your servants, your friends forever. What do you do? But he rejected the advice of the elders who'd advised him, and he instead consulted with the young men who'd grown up with him and served him. You know what happened because of that? Because he didn't listen to these Proverbs. Kingdom was split in half. Rehoboam was a sorry king, and he ended up getting destroyed because he surrounded himself with men who were not loyal to him and to his God. Folks, what, what kind of friends do you have? Who are you surrounding yourself with? 1 Peter 3.8 says, Finally, all of you should be of one mind. Sympathize with each other. Love each other's brothers and sisters. Be tenderhearted and keep a humble attitude. You know, the people you surround yourself with will greatly shape the kind of person that you become. 1 Corinthians tells us bad company corrupts good morals. Let me tell you something. I promise you that is absolutely true. You want your life to be shaped in such a way that you will honor God? Then my encouragement for you is choose your friends wisely. The people you surround yourself with, make sure that they are people who love Jesus. If they love Jesus, they're going to love you they love Jesus, they're going to walk with you and stand with you. That's why I believe that, that a fellowship of believers is vitally important as we live in a world of darkness. Guys, we need each other. We need friends who love us, who love Jesus. And my encouragement for you is you be a friend who is truthful. You be a friend who is loyal. You be a friend who loves Jesus. And whenever you see deceit that is around you and you see people who are looking to see what they can get out of you instead of what they can put into you, who are looking to pull you away from the things of God, now I'm not saying that you just simply ignore those people, but man, you do not put them in your inner circle. You can pray for them, you can reach out to them. Boy, do not make them some of the leaders in your life because who your friends are greatly determine who you become. And that is why Solomon said, friendship is a word of wisdom. Who are your friends?